Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Running the 615 Podcast. This is your host, Drew Jones, and you are listening to Episode 5. Let me start off again by thanking all of you for your feedback and support. I've heard from many of you over the past couple of weeks that you really enjoyed listening to Megan Connor and James Crumlin, who were both great guests, so thank you. Please continue to promote this podcast to your friends, family, and others. The next two episodes are going to feature the male and female that I have run the most with in my life. A couple of back-to-back episodes featuring great friends. First off, we're starting with my buddy, Scott Bell. I've recorded enough podcasts now that I realize I repeat myself on uh, certain things during the episodes, and in this episode, I repeat the fact that Scott Bell and I are great friends a lot, so get ready for that. Scott went from being a weightlifter to a runner to an ultramarathoner. Scott has lived in Nashville his entire life, which we talk about. Scott is married to the wonderful Nikki Bell. They have three boys, his son Jack and his stepsons Johnny and Calvin. We talk about how running became a part of his life, and uh, we talk about what it's like to go from a 5K to a half marathon to an ultramarathon in basically one year. Scott's a great running buddy. He has an endless amount of stories. There's never a time that we're running that one of the two of us is not talking. He is super entertaining. He's really the only person I know that instead of sending a text message when he has a random thought, he will film a video of himself and send that video over, which are always very funny. Scott has a great resume when it comes to his running career. He's done a lot of cool things. He's finished eight half marathons. He's run three full marathons, and he's run 25 ultra marathons, including two 100-mile races, which we certainly talk a lot about. Scott and I actually look a lot alike. Um, There's been many times where we've been out on a run and people have confused us as twins. There's definitely times when we are not together that someone will confuse us for the other. And yeah, uh, I mean, as I will, again, say a lot in this episode, Scott is a great friend. Uh, He's been a really big part of my life uh, over the past 10 years and was really excited to interview him and chat with him about his running career. And also, as we mentioned, Scott's been really helpful in in helping me get this podcast started. He is a super funny guy and uh, really just enjoyable to listen to. And I know you guys will feel the same way. So here we go. My good buddy, Scott Bell. Hello, everybody. We are live at Running the 615. This is a day we've been waiting for since Running the 615 was just a mere thought in my head. My good friend Scott Bell is sitting right across from me. He has been the one that I've talked to about this, getting it started, what I wanted to be. Basically, every idea I've had about this podcast has involved my good friend sitting across me. In fact, the chair that you're sitting in, Scott, you helped build this chair and the set for Running the 615. I mean, I wondered why it was so sturdy over here. Here, Drew. It feels, feels uh, solid as a rock. Man. It was all the guy who helped put it together. Super excited to have you here, Scott. Thanks for joining me today. You're one of my best friends. We've probably, I thought about this last night, we've actually probably had over a thousand podcasts between you and I. This is just actually the first one we're recording. 100%. Yeah. And this is going to be the best yet. That's true. Number 1001. 
a lot of places we could go here. We could talk strictly about office reruns. We spend a good amount of our time talking about that show. We could talk about us being juvenile delinquents growing up. But because it's running the 615, we're going to start with running, if that's all right with you. Damn it. I wanted to talk about Creed Bratton the whole time, Drew. Well, we Come got on, plenty man. of time. We'll get there. Sounds good. I know your running story well because I was there when you got it started. I, it's an interesting one. You kind of went from I love lifting weights to I love running, I love wearing baggy shorts to I love wearing shorty <laughs> shorts when you run. Just Correct. start from the beginning, Scott. Tell me about running, how that got going, and then what was it about running that stuck for you? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Drew. Good to be here. Long time no see, buddy. Yeah, I I started lifting weights. I mean, well, I did the typical thing where I I grew up playing sports, and then I got to college and pretty much decided that I was going to eat McDonald's late every night, drink a lot of beer, all the good stuff that you do when you're in school. You can even do that after school, I think. Yeah, when you're not just making straight A's in class, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And so... uh, No, when I was around, I guess, 20, somewhere in there, I started going to the gym, got pretty into that, lifted with a a, kind of in a meathead gym in in Murfreesboro, if you will, with a bunch of friends that I grew up with and got pretty into that and stayed into that for a good while. So basically from 20 to 30, I was trying to see how much I could shoulder press uh, (laughs) and just, you know, try to look good in a Gadzooks t-shirt. That's all good. That's that's a part of Rutherford County uh, upbringing for sure. Rutherford County proper, buddy. No, man, I guess uh, when I started to run, I mean, literally, I didn't run at all. Like I was I was in the gym five, six days a week, maybe with one off day a week. And then our good friend, Joel Meredith, Joel had been running for a long time, running marathons, things like that. He had kind of been like on the downside of his running, like he was he was not running as much as he had been. And he was trying to revamp his running, if you will. So he wanted, he kind of looked around and was like, man, I think I'm going to go out to East Nasty and just try to meet some folks and, and mingle and go for a run on a Wednesday night. This group East Nasty meets up every Wednesday night at uh, six o'clock. You know, won't you come out there with me? And I'm like, yeah, I don't run. (laughs) (laughs) Can I go and not, not have the running be a part of it? Can I just meet him at three crowbar after the run's over? And I literally, man, like going, like living in in East Nashville, I had been around East Nashville. I'd been living there at that point for probably a year and a half, something like that, because this was shortly after Nikki and I got married and I saw East Nasty bumper stickers. And I literally just thought it was like people that lived in East Nashville calling themselves East Nasty. So anyway, Joel said, come run. I was like, dude, I don't run. He, it was like, Scott, the route's like 3.2 miles or something like that. It was a little Hollywood route okay. was the route. And so he kind of drug me out there. And so I just start kind of try like the run starts, you know, I see you out there and the run starts and literally like for the first mile, I'm just running with Joel. And, and as I'm running, I felt completely uncomfortable running. Like my stride didn't feel right. I felt odd, you know, cause it, it had been a long time. And literally within, I think like a mile, like after the first mile I was walking, you know, and so came all the way back up Eastland, literally kicking a rock, <laughs> like, like literally kicking a rock and was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. I'm a big dude. You know, I'm 6'4". And at the time, I think I weighed like 215, 220. And I was just like, I'm a big guy. I'm not meant to run anymore, you know? And so, yeah, so I finished that run. And that was kind of like went to Three Crow, had a couple of beers, a lot of really cool people. I was like, this was a good one and done, but I'm out. I'm going (laughs) back to the gym. Uh, See all you running guys later. Seeing you afterwards, I was like, how was it? Face was a little red. You're like, ah, let's go to Three Crow. We can talk more about it. (laughs) 100%. And And then I know this too, because because we've talked about a lot. And then you went home and you talked to your wife about it. And she's like, right. what, what, how'd that go? Yeah. And I was like, it went like shit. 
I said, I said, I'm not a runner. Like I felt awkward. I don't feel good. You know, I'm not good at this and East Nasty's cool, but I'm probably never going back. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then after that, it, it wasn't like what, just a couple of days that you yeah. kind of like, you just had a different thought in your mind. Like I should be able to run at least better than I did two nights ago. Right. Like I'm the kind of person who, if I do something and I, even if it's hard or something that's difficult in the back of my mind, I knew I was like, man, you know, at the time I was, I was 30 years old and I'm like, I'm 30 years old. You know, I can't run three miles. That's probably not good. Like I looked physically like I was somewhat in shape, but I knew like I had done a couple of boot camp classes and things like that. So I knew my cardio was not great. I mean, I already knew that. And so I just kind of thought, you know, it's not good that I can't run three miles without having to stop and walk, you know? So it, it just kind of kept messing with me in the back of my mind. And, and I knew I was maybe selling myself short. So I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it another go. I'm going to go out there next Wednesday. And I showed up the next week, man. And I think the next week was, I can't remember which route it was. You would probably know, but it was like four something. Sure. You know, down in down in a Shelby park. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a little bit further than you had before. Yep. Yep. And so I, I just kind of kept on with that, man. And it, it honestly, I would come back every Wednesday night and every week I was feeling a little bit better, but like I would be super sore the next day and I was still trying to lift weights along the way. And then I got to the point where I could run pretty much all of the nasty route, which is, you know, five and a half miles or something like that. And a super hilly route, tough route. Tough. So yeah, I mean, this is 2011, right? That this was, is the summer yes. of 2011 when July. you decide to start running, right? Also decided to start running in the hottest month of the year. And I'm like, brilliant. July in Nashville. Let's, uh, let's start running I'm going right to start now. a new hobby. This yep. is perfect. Yep. It was a small amount of time, right, though, between like, of course, you know, the first run wasn't just like awesome. And you're like, I'm not sure I want to ever do this again. Right. To then getting back out there you already live in east nashville so that was you know that was kind of your neighborhood anyway so you start showing up i mean what was the gap between first east nasty run to where you came to me finally after a couple months you're like hey all right i think i'm actually ready to come get some running shoes you work at fleet feet i'm coming in let me get fit for a pair that's good for me that that wasn't a terribly long time no that wasn't long i think you know, I started running with East Nasty in July of 2011, and I think that I was in Fleet Feet in Brentwood, you know, getting suited up and getting fitted and everything by probably September. Right. I would so say it's short, yeah. by September. And I do remember getting you a good pair of shoes and you're good to go. And then I, I broached the topic. I was like, hey, you know, we, let's let's look over here at some, some running shorts or shirt. You're like, ah, you're like, hold up. Just a minute. Pump like, the brake. I'm right. not ready. Yeah. I shop for basketball shorts at Academy yeah. and I'm good. Yeah. I was, I was like, I've listened to a lot of Tupac in my life and those little three and a half to five inch shorts are not gonna do it I'm not okay? there I'm not there. I'm knee length or longer so then here's another highlight that I remember for this it was also in that window when you were just like the running was starting to turn into something that you were wanting to do more right. and we went to the gym we went to the YMCA yep. which is your playground I lift weights although you really can't tell by looking at me but we go in there and you're like all right I'm wanting to make the transition from lifting weights five or six days a week to more running and just getting better overall shape. And literally the first exercise we go up to, we're just going to do some dumbbell shoulder press. How'd that go? <laughs> I can't remember what weight you picked up. I picked up like 30, okay, 30 pound dumbbells. 30s, okay. And you looked over at me around the time that you were picking up your thirties and I had the 70 pound dumbbells sitting on my knees <laughs> and you, you said, yeah, dude, I'll never forget. You looked at me. You said, what are you doing? I was like, what are you talking about? You're like, 
we're doing shoulders. I was like, yeah, we're doing shoulder press. You were like, with the 70s? I was like, yeah, yeah, with the 70s. You're like, okay, you asked me if you could still lift weights and run. I had something different in mind. <laughs> I was like, hold on, put the weights back down. Let's have a talk real quick. Yeah. I've never lifted a 70-pound dumbbell in my life. Surely not for shoulder press, but I was like, I just, it was hilarious. We were just like, hey, let's let's pick a side between running and bodybuilder. Yeah. The 70s feel much heavier to me now than they did then. I don't know if I could even get them off the rack anymore. Well, I was never there. So you, yeah. you won up me there. So, okay. So that running is starting to become a part of your life in the right. fall. And, you know, talk me through just that next kind of, from that fall 2011 all the way through the next summer was when running just becoming more and more and more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anybody that knows me, man, knows that I have, for better or worse, I have a pretty addictive personality. So if, if there's something that I start to get into and I really start to enjoy it, I'm going to go all the way down every rabbit hole I can find. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, read up on it. I'm going to find people who inspire me the most and I'm going to follow those people. I'm going to watch YouTube clip. I mean, research. Yeah. Endless amounts of things that occasionally get me in trouble with uh, Nikki Bale. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I just, man, I got into, I got into running and I can distinctly remember, like I would lift still probably five days a week and I would run maybe two days a week. And then I remember like one day being like, you know, I had like an hour that I could go to the gym or I could go for a run just on my own. And it was like the first time that I, I like strapped on my shoes and decided to go for a run you know, like a four or five mile run in the hour that I could have had to go to the gym. So I kind of started to run more during the week on my own. And then I would go run every week still with East Nasty. And, you know, having that community around me was a huge part of kind of what kept me motivated and kept me going, you know, seeing familiar faces and all that stuff. And so then I remember my first race was the tomato 5k that I did in August of 2011 ever run in your life first race I'd ever run right. I mean I had done like a, a 5k cancer walk one time for a work thing and I literally wore like baggy blue jeans and like, boy. <laughs> like a Carhartt jacket and I walked it <laughs> so it was the first time that I had done like any kind of a race where I like put on a bib and went out there and the gun went off and I ran and completed something. Right. And, you know, something about that, even though it was, you know, just a 5k, I mean, I had a, a super rewarding experience, you know, and, and it kind of put me back in the mind frame of kind of how you feel when you're a kid, like you're playing sports or whatever, and you win the game, you have that sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And it had, it had been a long time since I felt that, like just kind of in my personal life and was quite honestly kind of burned out on the gym stuff. So, so anyway, I went from there, I got some proper running gear and I started to run a little bit more. And by the time I worked up to where I ran the, the nasty route, the five and a half mile route, I think that's right around, you know, coming into the fall and you were going to be the two hour pace group leader for the, the, I run for the party Nashville half marathon. Just like November. That right? was November. November right of 2011. Now. So this goes July to November. Perfect. Furthest I'd ever run was five and a half miles. You said, you know, I've got this thing on Saturday. I've got a, I'm a pace group leader. I was like, what does that mean? You're like, well, I'm going to run with all the people who want to run two hours or just under a two hour half marathon. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, do you think I could do the half marathon? And you're like, man, you know, I've got to come over to East Nashville. This was on Friday. And you're like, you know, I, I think I could probably get you in last minute. I'm coming over to East Nashville later. Why don't you and I meet right there around five points? We'll sit down and we'll chat about it. And basically your input was you live 
like 0.3 miles from Shelby Park. Which is where the course goes past it, yeah. Course goes past it at what, like mile eight or nine or something mm-hmm. like that. And so you basically said you can go out there and try it. If you're feeling horrible at that point, you can literally just walk to your house. And so I ended up coming out there, man, and actually felt pretty good all the way up through running back down through like Lachlan Springs, heading back downtown. But I ended up running that in like just over like two, it was like two hours and 30 seconds. So, man, I remember that super well. Two things I remember about it. A, because I was the two hour pace leader, I started kind of in the middle of the pack when the race actually started. Right. Right. And it wasn't till I think mile six that I caught up to you back by Nissan Stadium. Like you were literally in front of me for the first six miles. Davidson Street. Right. Then you hung with me till 11 and then we went up a hill coming out of East Nashville, which is where you drifted off. But the nasty route is closer to six miles. So the longest you run in your life is six miles and you're like, hey, I want to run 13. So you being a buddy for selfish (laughs) reasons, I wanted you out there. But I was like, you know, hey, you've got the opportunity to shut it down if you need to. But to run it in basically two hours flat, having never run more than six miles in your life like literally the thought i had from that i was like well scott's got some god-given ability for this sport for sure and that was that was it right there like it's been green light ever since yeah yeah i mean i've i've questioned that god-given ability (laughs) time and time again over the last eight years or so but yeah that was it man like i remember running that half marathon And literally that day was like, you know, I'm going to run a full marathon like that. There was no like I'm hurting, I'm beat up and I'm done. Like it was pretty much 100 percent within hours. Like I need to find a full marathon to run. It jump started it. It jump started it. Right. Which is interesting. I mean, I've I've talked to you and I've talked about a lot. I've talked to a lot of people. You're totally right. Some people will run a bigger race, either distance or just participation wise. And when they're done, they have a feeling of like, all right, yeah, I did that. Didn't necessarily love it done or just the opposite. Like I did that. I know I can do better. I know I can train. I know I can push myself. And that's the domino right there that gets it going. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, I wanted to actually, I was like, well, you know, I want to run a full marathon, but if I ran a half marathon in two hours on not really any training other than running with a group and and whatnot, I want to put forth some effort and see what I could, could really do. But yeah, so I trained with East Nasty and then I signed up for the country music half at the time, the Nashville rock and roll half marathon or whatever. And, uh, so I ran that in April, I guess. And, uh, I ran a, I properly trained for that one and I ran a 151. So I took about nine minutes off from November to April yeah. on my half. Almost a minute a mile, and that's a tougher course than the first one you ran. I love that race with all my heart, but that's a, that course is a bit of a roller coaster. I don't think there's a flat stretch on it for the most part, but yeah, no. strong effort. So that's the start. That's, that's how start. Scott Bell became a runner because I know you super well. You have taken that and multiplied it by a thousand in what you've done. You have run ultra marathons. You have run countless half marathons. You've run a couple full marathons. Like you've, you've done it all in running before we get to the ultra marathon and the trail part, because I really want to spend some time there. What is it about running that you feel like is the part that made it stick for you that got you out of kind of the weightlifting gym mentality to the, the running, spending time outside and going that route, man, I, Honestly, I didn't even know it at the time, but I think that for me, you know, I think that you constantly need to, and this is cliche, but I think it's true. Something inherent. I mean, it was like I needed to challenge myself in a new way because you get complacent. 
If you get really good at one thing, you know, and I was never a big ripped up jacked kind of guy, you know, I didn't have a physique where I looked like I, but I'd spent a lot of time in the gym and I got decently strong and stuff like that. And I associated myself as just, I'm a gym guy. That's kind of what I do. But I knew that this was a new challenge. This was something that was difficult. And this was something that's probably good for me. When I was going to the gym and stuff like that, a lot of the time, you know, you, you go to the gym, you're done. I would sit around the house on the weekends and I'm kind of a homebody anyway. So I'd hang out with the family and, and grill food and just be hanging out drinking beer, no real, you just kind of like going through the motions and then working my job during the week. This was a new challenge. This was something that got me excited. This was something that I wanted. I had goals again that I wanted to strive for. And I'll never forget, man, on one of the training runs for that half marathon in April, a buddy of mine was getting married and I'd gone to a wedding party on a Friday night and I had one too many cocktails on that that Friday (laughs) night. And I had to run, I guess we were running at like seven the next morning and we were meeting at uh, Centennial Park and we were going to do, I believe, a 10 mile run that Saturday morning. Yeah, Those two I, don't I, go well together. They do, they? do not go well together. And as my mom would say, I overserved myself. <laughs> and so, I mean, by like mile five of that training run, we had pretty much kind of looped back around and I found the shortest route to get back to my car, you know? Right. And I remember leaving and you finished that run that day and you called me and you were like, you know, what what are you doing, man? Where'd you, where'd you go? I'm standing out here. get lost? I did not get lost. I was like, I'm, you're like, I'm standing out here, man. I was waiting on you. I don't see you anywhere. And I was like, yeah, it's cause I'm at the house. And you were like, what? And I was like, dude, I was like, I didn't tell you this, but I had one too many cocktails last night. And you just, just off the cuff were like, damn it, bell, you're a runner now. (laughs) And like that stuck with me, man, like little goofy stuff like that sticks with me, you know? And, and the fact that I thought when somebody called me like, you're a runner, man, like, you know, not that I, not that like running is my identity or anything like that, but that's cool if it is, you know, for me. And so, yeah, that was what kind of kept me going. And then from there, it's where can I take it? Right. You know, that's, that's kind of the way that it goes with me. So yeah, man, let's, let's jump into the trail thing. I mean, that's kind of what you went that route fairly quickly after doing a couple half marathons. And that's another part that I feel like just kind of grabbed you and you've done uh, countless amount of races. Now I would say majority of on the trail since, and you have completed two 100 mile races. Like just saying that is just fascinating <laughs> to me that you've run. I, I, I love talking to you about it. I, I very much remember talking to you after your first 100 miler, maybe three days removed from that. But yeah, man, tell me about the trail scene and then ultimately the ultra scene and just what that's been to you as a runner and just like how it's affected you. Cause there's, there's a lot of stuff you've done there. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, so pretty much after after I ran the half, I was at Dances with Dirt. It's a trail ultra marathon. They have a lot of different distances, but I was at the Dances with Dirt 50K with Joel. I was sitting there as everybody was finishing, and people were just kind of hanging out low-key, like drinking beer, having a good time, and I immediately was like, I really like the low-key kind of atmosphere. Everybody seems super friendly. You don't have a bunch of people walking around kind of looking at their watches and stuff. It was more about community and stuff like that. And so I was sitting on the back of a truck. I was sitting with Matt Adams. I was saying like, you know, man, I would love to do this. Like I would love to run a trail race maybe in the fall. And I knew about stump jump 50 K in Chattanooga. I knew that was like a really big race. And, and I was like, man, I kind of want to run stump jump. But I think at the time they had an 11 miler. I was like, I think I might just run the 11 miler. And didn't know Matt super well at the time. Like we, we knew each other and he kind of looked at me and he's like, dude, what did you just run at the country? Like, what'd you run for the half? And I said, I ran like 151. 
I mean, it's like you can 100% be ready to run a 50K by the fall. Like all you need is a 10 mile base. So that kind of opened my eyes to that. And I had been looking to do like a road marathon. I was kind of considering, I just want to keep building and how far can you go? And that totally flipped my mind from instead of running a road marathon, I changed to I'm going to do a trail 50K. Instead of doing 26, I want to do 31. I just right. want to, I just want to do it on trails. Yeah, over rocks go. and roots. That's all right. Yeah, man. Did you run then stump jump right in 2012? Yep. The fall and that was that was kind of the start. What's the gap then between your first 50k? That's your first ultra marathon. How many did you run before you then up the distance again to 50 milers and then ultimately 100 miler? Yeah, I trained through the summer of 2012 into the fall. I ran stump jump in October. And then the funny thing about that is that as I was training for stump jump, I just completely nerded out. Like I was into every, you know, I was watching hundred mile races, you know, or I mean, can't really watch them, but I was following, I run far. So I was on Twitter. I was on all, I was on Facebook. I was watching all these races going on before I ever even ran a 50 K. Right. So I kind of, in my mind, I kind of already kind of associated myself as like a trail, you know, trail runner guy. I was not the ultra runner yet, but I was working towards it. So I knew a lot about the sport at that point, as far as just watching the sport. Me personally, I didn't know a damn thing about it. <laughs> So, so uh, no better way to learn. Uh, I thought I knew. I thought I knew. I was like, I'm just gonna buy all the coolest gear, and then I'm gonna look like a trail runner, and then I'm a trail runner. A big part of it is look good. Yeah, man, you you gotta have the you know nice watch and all that for those 13 minute miles. So, (laughs) so anyway, man, I was training for stump jump, but I also heard about Mount Mitchell 40 miler in Western North Carolina, which was in February of 2013. So I'm training for stump jump and I went ahead and and Mount Mitchell, that race goes from, from Black Mountain, North Carolina to the summit of Mount Mitchell, which is the highest peak east of the Mississippi river. It's 20 miles up and then you tag the summit and then you turn around and run 20 miles down. So I had seen that and I was like, well, that looks cool. And if I get in, it was a lottery. So I was like, I'm going to put in for the lottery for that race. And so I was like, if I get in through the lottery, I will have already run stump jump by that point. So I'll have some miles on my legs and I'll feel ready for it. So basically I got in, I got accepted into the lottery for Mount Mitchell 40 miler before I had ever even run anything beyond really a half marathon. You were committed by then. (laughs) Hope this thing Uh, goes well in Chattanooga because I'm already going out. I'm going further east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's. Let's see how deep the water is just by diving off the bridge. Um, that's the best. That's the best. Baptism by fire. That's the way. That's the way I like to do it. So yeah. So I ran stump jump in October. It beat me down, man, like big time. I mean, there were there were you know guys and girls out there who had run sub three hour marathons, and this thing's taken six hours to finish this fifty k. It's just a hard race. Yeah. And so I finished that and literally was kind of, that was the point where I'm like, man, I don't know, like I'm going to do this 40 miler because I'm already signed up to do it. So I'm committed and I'm going to do it, but then I'm going to pump the brakes and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, take it much beyond that. But man, like little by little, you know, I did the 50 K I did the 40 miler. And then by that point, I pretty much had already decided that I wanted to run a 100 mile race. Right. So this is in the spring of 2013. I was like, I want to start gearing up. And I wanted to run Western States 100 because I'd watched that unbreakable, you know, DVD with Hal Kerner and Killian Jornet and all these other guys. So 
You also had some buddies, Matt Hawkins, Joby Williams, Joel Meredith. That are like, hey, let's keep like keep. They kept uh, fueling the fire, right? And I, I hadn't even met Hawkins yet, so that's probably a good thing. He would have had me. He oh. would have had me. He would have had me trying to sign up for something even you know crazier. Meanwhile, I was uh, like, hey, there's something called the Boulevard Bolt. One hundred percent, still going on. Yeah, yeah. So. Five miler on the road. Don't forget about us. <laughs> like perfect. <laughs> Go eat turkey. So that's how that started, man. At the time, West, I wanted to run Western States. You had to get a lottery qualifier. At the time, you could run a 50-mile race, but you had to run it in a certain time. So I picked Mountain Massacus, 50-miler. That race has 10,000 feet of elevation gain. It's in Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Beautiful race. And so if you had to run that in under 11 hours to qualify for Western States. So I ended up going and running Mountain Massacist, and I ran that in 10 flat. And and so then I had a qualifier for Western States. And so I put in for Western States and did not get in like, which that's, uh, that race is crazy hard to get into. Right. So I knew the odds of me getting into that were not very good, but you started getting but in the mind frame though. Got in the mind frame. Yeah. And then at that point I like mentally was like committed. Like I was all in on trail running. I was 100% obsessed with it. So I'm like, I'm doing a 100 mile race. That's the end of it. I've, I've got to find one. So I started looking around and I found again, Hal Kerner through the, yeah. Yeah. And watching the Western States movie, I was like, I knew Hal had a hundred mile race in Ashland, Oregon, Pine to Palm 100, which is Ashland, Oregon's kind of a hotbed for ultra runners. A lot of really top notch runners have come out of there. And so, yeah, man. So that was, you could straight, you could go ahead and register for that. So I signed up for that. And that was in the fall of 2014. So man, that's a, that's a fairly quick turnaround if you just think of summer East Nasty Run 2011 to half marathon, full marathon, and then 50k, and then up, up, and up to a hundred miler. We've talked a lot about this, and I still I don't I don't think I'll ever appreciate it enough for someone who has not done a distance like that. But what does it feel like to run that far? I mean, a hundred miles driving in a car is a long drive. A hundred miles on your feet, straight out in the woods is is just hard for me to get my brain around in all honesty because it's so far I do remember talking to you after your first one again it was three days removed and I said all right man we're really good friends we've talked about this race a lot shoot it to me straight did you did you have any dark moments out there in that hundred miler and you're like yeah of course I was like when you're like mile 40 through 90 Uh, a true story. Mile stretch in the middle that <laughs> yeah. got me. So, man, talk, like, what what is that like? Like, where are you mentally, physically? You know, during a hundred mile race to be able to push through and finish something like that. So I trained, uh, you know, I built in some training races along the way for that race. So I did the Chattanooga stage races that year, which is 60 miles in three days on three different mountains. And I went into that weekend there. It starts on a Friday. So you do 18 miles Friday, 22 miles Saturday, 20 miles Sunday, and it gets progressively more difficult. The terrain as you go along, I went into that with like 30 miles on my legs. So, you know, i did to a three-day stage like race. to run while you're beat up. Yeah, yeah. You just learn how to run on tired legs. I mean, really, that's what it is. And you're the whole time, you know, these runs, you're they're like dress rehearsals. You know, you're you're practicing with your nutrition. Clearly, in a hundred mile race, you're gonna make sure you like you you don't want to chafe. So you're trying to dial in your gear. You're trying to figure out exactly what's gonna work best for you. I took several trips east, you know, and I trained over in North Carolina and things like that to prepare because the race that I had registered for 
had 24,000 feet or somewhere around there, over 20,000 feet of elevation gain alone. Right. So like 40,000 plus of change. And you just try to beat yourself up as much as you can mentally and physically. And when the, the day of the race came, man, I was so nervous because I had done a 50 mile sure. race. I still wasn't a very seasoned trail ultra runner. I mean, I had not done very much at that point. I had done a decent number of races, but nothing, nothing like that. Not even close. So I, I knew that it was going to be the hardest thing that I'd ever done in my life. So I was super nervous and I was super excited at the same time. So as we started that race, you know, myself, that is when I met Matt Hawkins was training for Pine to Palm. So I met Matt along the way. I found out he was registered for it and also lived in Nashville. Joby Williams, you know, Joby and I logged a ton of miles together. So me, Matt and Joby were all running that race. And there were not a whole lot of people around town who had run hundred mile races yet at that point, you know, 2014, 2014. Yeah. There were a handful of guys that I knew that had done some hundred mile races, Just not uh, but lot. there was not a lot. Yeah. So we started the race like you would any other race. And I just made sure that whatever, and the first 10 miles was pretty much uphill. So you settle in and you just kind of get ready for a really, really long day. But man, like once you get to that, like I remember like Joby kind of ran away from me on a long downhill fire road after the first 10 miles, you have about 20 of kind of gradual rolling kind of fire road. And he ran off from me cause he's, he's much faster road runner than I am. And I, I called up to Joby at, I think mile 20 at like an aid station. And he was just kind of standing there with like a dazed look in his eyes. And I looked at him and he goes, my legs are toast. <laughs> We're at Mike mile 20. Oh my God. And so man, you, you know, it's, you get 20 and 30 and then you get to mile 40 and then it just becomes like this mental grind, man. It's, it really is. Do you feel like, you know, I've heard this from not only you, but some other people that in a race that long, you go through countless amounts of highs and lows yeah. at mile 23. You're like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm getting a second win at mile 30. Don't feel like you can take another step. And then it just kind of goes that route. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I always say, I don't think there's any way you can, like I said, you don't, I don't think you can really train for a 100 mile race. I mean, I think that that some people are grittier, some people are stubborn, some people have their nutrition super dialed in, and some people train really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And people who do all of that are the best at what they do, you know. But I think that you just have to have that mental fortitude and you, you have to have the 100% mentality of, I'm not going to quit. There's nothing that's going to stop me from finishing this race. I don't care if I'm walking or crawling or whatever. If I don't get cut off or if I don't break a bone, I'm going to finish the race. Right. That's what you have to do. And you got to stay in that headspace. 100%. So when you get through Pine to Palm, and I know like you and Joby ran most of it together and finished, and then when you're getting into the late 90s of the mileage, you're feeling like, okay, this is going to happen. Right. Are you able to experience a level of excitement and joy being that, I'm sure, just over the top fatigued or does it take a little bit when you get done to be like, I just did something there. You know, I remember on the way down from, so the, the cool part about that race is that Joby and I, we were both, you know, it was a suffer fest and we decided to do it together. Right. That was not the plan going in, but we were working together throughout the day and it ended up being a thing where he and I just said, you know what, man, let's just stay together the whole yeah. way. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We worked together and we had our pacers out there with us who joined us at like mile 65 and then all 
four of us were together and it was still just a suffer fest. But I remember on the way down, we were at like literally at like mile 97, like, and it was all downhill from that point into Lithia Park where the race finishes. Joby said, man, are you feeling, are you feeling a little emotional or anything right now? And I said, dude, I don't feel anything. I was like, (laughs) I just want to be, I just want to be done. But 100% when you, I'd, I'd envision like the running shop, Rogue Valley Runners that, that sponsors the race and everything. They have a, they're like, they have like a big, like purple inflatable inflatable thing with that you run through at the finish line. And this is not like a marathon finish or a half marathon finish. Like there are like one or two people coming through every like 10 minutes, you know? So we're running down into the park, man. And, and when I saw that big purple inflatable thing, like I could see it. And I literally thought in my mind, like, this is like, it, it was the, it was the biggest sense of accomplishment I'd, I'd ever felt, you know, you have moments in your life where you're super proud or you're super jovial and happy and excited. But as far as like personal accomplishment, like I just brought myself from, from zero to 100 on my own two feet, you know, that to me was, yeah, a special moment for sure, man. I've said this before. I think anybody who runs a 100-mile race should get a certificate that allows you to break whatever laws you want the rest of your life. <laughs> or at least yeah. a week. Yeah. Like, at least yeah. a week where you go, Can like, I not? I, you I thought I could. You can't go 100 miles in a 25-mile-hour zone. Uh, actually, I can. I ran Pine yeah. to Palm. Oh, Here's sorry. My, my, my bad. I didn't know you had that certificate. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So would you say that that component now, and you also ended up running another 100-miler in Alabama? Yeah, right? Penhody. Penhody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it, is that kind of the biggest driving force of your running these ultra marathon distances to put yourself in an arena of, I know this is going to be hard, but I know if I get through it, I'm going to have a sense of accomplishment and just a good feeling about being active and pushing myself. Yeah, 100%. I had a family member pretty close to me one time say, you know, what do you do? Like, do you listen to music? And I'm like, yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Talking about while you're running? While I'm running. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I know you listen to music in life. Yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Like, while while you're out on these four or five hour runs and things like that, you know, like, what do you think about? Like, what do you think about when you're doing it? And I said, and I didn't really, I was like, kind of sat there for a second. I said, well you get to know yourself pretty well. And the response was, I don't know if I want to know myself that well. <laughs> too deep. <laughs> and, it's and too I, deep. Like I said, I said, well, that's, that's true. Like you, a lot of people might not, cause it, you know, running that far, man, it's like the one thing for me that like it, it strips you down 100% to your core mm-hmm. and it checks you. It's a gut check. It's like, what, what am I really made of? Who am I really? And what's important to me in, in my life? Like it strips you down to that point. And there's something about getting to that point that is kind of addictive, you know? Well, yeah. What was it? Dean Carnassus said the other day, we were talking about this. He said, in order to figure out what kind of person you are, you need to go to war. And what he means by that is, you know, in order to figure out if you're a coward or a hero, I think was how he worded it. He's like, you need to go to war or put yourself in arena to figure out which one you are. Yeah. I feel like the country music half marathon is a good enough war for me right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, Oh my God, when I furnished, when I finished my first one, a little old lady put a medal around me. I was like, I'm a hero. I'm an absolute hero. You're, a, you're an ultra <laughs> runner yourself too. So. Well, we, we don't need to spend a ton of time there. That was all you're doing. I have run a 50 K in this year, 2019, my friend, Scott Bell, again, who's sitting across from me, advertised it as a very beginner friend 
friendly, good 50k ultra marathon to get started. And it was hosted in a town called Rock Creek, Texas, I believe. Sprayed Rockville. 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 One of the two. It looked like they had sprayed rocks on the course the night beforehand just to get ready for it. And there was one stretch, I know you'll remember this, where you go up and there's trees to your left, there's a chain link fence to your right, and it was up the trail. And it was so rocky, (laughs) I started laughing. I was like, who in their mind sees this half mile stretch you were of being rock? Punked. It is like, yep, no, we got we got to make sure we go through here yeah. on the course like this. They're gonna love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bandera 50k, aka the Rockville Relocation Smackdown on no Drew doubt. Jones. Well, I do know that a lot of people. We had some buddies all out there running it together, and anybody, anytime anyone asked me how I was doing, I was like, yep. First of all, I'm gonna be out here forever. Second of all, tell Scott Bell we're no longer friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> we're through. I was like, he's gonna hate my gut oh man so to bring like you know the running full circle here what is it about has there been anything about running that you've done from the start 5k to 100 milers that has surprised you or it kind of been something that you didn't expect either something that maybe it did for you or something that you kind of found in it that you couldn't have known without doing some of these races because you i mean there's there's not really a distance to this point you haven't covered running and running long distance and stuff like that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And so I think that by doing that, and like you're saying, like making a joke about finishing your first hundred mile race and saying, I pretty much can break any law I ever want or whatever it did. Like that literally did flip something in my mind. Like it flipped something in my brain of, cause that was about three years from the day that I started running. Right. So I went from not being able to run three miles to run in a hundred mile race and not only, you know, hundred mile race, but in, through the mountains and elevation gain and loss and all this kind of stuff. And it literally kind of opened up my brain to like, that was an intro to then me starting to get, get back to doing things that I really enjoy doing like as, as a kid. And it changed my entire family dynamic. You know, like we started to take vacations like Nikki and I, would say, you know, instead of going to seaside to go to the beach, which also is awesome, but like, you know, let's go out West. And so we started taking vacations and things out to Utah and going out to California and, and taking the kids and getting them involved in outdoor activities and never pushing anything on them, just, just experiencing, right. exposing them to it. And so that led to them really enjoying doing things outdoors and, right. and getting to travel the world a little bit more than we might have if I had not started to to run, you know, like we might not have ended up in like Bryce Canyon, Utah or any of these places. Sure. Um, Does it bother you at all that your wife, Nikki Bell, is significantly cooler than you are? <laughs> <laughs> not in the least. It's why I married her. Oh, more athletic, I cooler, smarter. I know that. I just didn't know if yeah. it bothered you or not because yeah. she is cooler by yeah, all means. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Asking her to marry me is pretty much the most outlaw thing I've ever done in my life. There you go. Well, that one's certainly banned out. And, you know, I'd had an old, my, one of my grandfather, my granddad, I come from a pretty musical family and my granddad, I had one of his old guitars just kind of sitting around my house, like as a, as a prop in a room. And I'd been looking for years, like, man, I've always been into music. I've always wanted to play an instrument. When I was a young kid, I took piano lessons for a little bit and stuff, but sports were my main thing. So anyway, finish a 100 mile race doing all that changed my mindset now if I can do that then I'm going to start I'm going to start taking guitar lessons you know and that actually Nikki got me guitar lessons from our neighbor Sam who teaches for a living sure you know for my birthday we're going to get there in one second there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about running I find it fascinating that 
if it is above 39 degrees, you don't wear a shirt. Like, you, yeah, I, I run mean, hot. You run, you run, run you run. There's been a time where I'm looking in my car to find a beanie to put on yeah. my ears, and you're straight tank top city out there. <laughs> I was like, what, what am I? It's, something's wrong between one of the two of us here, and I can't yeah, decide yeah. which one it is, but you run hot. Well, I mean, the ginger in me, I think my people are cold weather people. Well, so, I'm team ginger uh, too. So, I mean, yeah. we, there's it been is. more than one time that you and I have been running in Percy Warner. I'll never forget one time we were coming down the hill from running the 5.8 and we weren't moving terribly fast but you know coming downhill in a pretty good stride and we run past these three ladies and one of them like basically elbows her friend of the next of her she's like look twins <laughs> Look, twins. twins. Oh, oh, man. Well, we'll take it. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. Man. So, well, real quick, you know, you've just just run a lot of neat races. What's your favorite favorite races, race or races that you've participated in? Or just what do you feel like is kind of your running highlights so far to date? So back this past spring, me and a couple of buddies went and did, uh, they, they call it SCAR. And that stands for the Smokies Challenge Adventure Run. So we basically self-supported. We went from Fontaine. Dam to Davenport Gap, which is the portion of the Appalachian Trail that goes from one end of the Smokies to the other. So that's got a little bit shy of 20,000 feet of elevation gain, and that's in about 74 miles, 73, 74 miles, something like that. I would say that that took just under 27 hours, right. and, and really the goal is to finish that or to try to finish it in under 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But the only people that I know that have finished that thing in under 24 hours are complete savages, you know. Sure. But there's some running sprinkled in with a whole lot of hiking. I mean, you're talking trekking poles and stuff like that. That's one of your favorite. That's just like, that's a running highlight for sure. That's like a highlight that comes to recent mind. And that, you know, that's, that's a trek that takes most through hikers six to seven days. Sure. And so, you know, we were a little under 27 hours. So that was still, I felt like we were moving at a, we weren't, you know, uh, wasting too much time out there. Totally. And so then what ba- about, yeah, for races? Yeah. What's, what's a couple that just stick out that you're like, man, that was that was my favorite. Uh, man, a couple. Uh, Upchuck 50K. Which it, you just I did? I did that last Saturday. And that's how many times have you done that now? That's my fourth. Fourth in Chattanooga? That's in Chattanooga. Saudi Daisy, right outside of Chattanooga on the Cumberland Trail. So it's super low-key race. I mean, they literally, like, your bib number, they ride it on your leg in Sharpie. Yeah. So, like, you drive your car to where you're going to finish the race at this little pavilion you load up on a school bus and then matt sims who's one of the race directors dresses up as a character that he calls ray J, and he's got on a prison outfit like an orange inmate jumpsuit billy bob teeth and all this he does the roll call like full-on in character and the dude's freaking hilarious yeah and then while you're on the bus they drive you to the middle of nowhere to a trailhead you get out and you run basically from the trailhead all the way back to where your car is parked along the Cumberland Trail. Wow. And it's going in and out of gorges. There's a ton of like water crossings and things like that, like river crossings and stuff. And it's normally while the leaves are changing colors. Man, just a great group of people, you know, like yeah. all from the Southeast. It's like a big family reunion every year. Sure. So that's, all your that's trail buddies in the same place. Yeah. What's your favorite place to run in Nashville? Man, I mean, golly, it's got to be Percy Warner. I mean, Percy Warner and I have a love-hate relationship. Like when I'm training for a race, which Percy does a great job. Like you can run the trails out there and train properly for you know most any race in this part of the country. And you've seen uh, enough of it though. Sometimes you're like, I hate you, Percy Warner. Like there have been days when I just sit in my car and I'm like, this stinks. (laughs) Uh, But you know, once you get out on the trails, man, no, we're super lucky to have that park. Like a lot of us bitch about, man, I'm so tired of running in this park. But I mean, dude, like. 
like, you know, we, it's not like we don't live in like, you know, Cleveland or somewhere where, right. I mean, we're lucky to have that park. Man, yeah. And I've, I've talked about this at least once or twice already on the podcast, but especially the proximity that Percy Warner right. is to downtown Nashville right. to have a park of that kind of size where you can get run the 11 2 on the roads or run a red, white, and blue that's between 11 and 12 miles of trail and it just be right there. Right. I mean, it's, again, I have not spent near the time on the trails that you have. So I can understand sometimes not being totally psyched to be at Percy Warner. But uh, it's still that's a great that, place, man. That's still that's still the place. So let's talk about Nashville, specifically Rutherford County. You were born and raised in Murfreesboro. Yeah, you've lived here your whole life. My whole life. Yeah, always in the six one five. Yep. Yeah, man. What would you say is the most Nashville thing about you? I know you used to wear a gold chain back in high school. <laughs> What so what what do you what like you know what do you feel like you kind of feel the most attachment to Nashville living here your whole life? Oh man, just I'm attached to to the culture. I'm attached to the people. I think my accent is probably the most Tennessee, <laughs> the most six one five thing about me, and just music. You know, it's a very musical place, right? And you know, a lot of the music is not my kind of music, but a lot of it is. If you had control over Nashville, you've lived in some of the coolest places in Nashville, both in the city proper and now you've resided in it. You lived in East Nashville for 10 years now? Yeah, 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you lived in some cool spots. If you were given the keys to the city as mayor, what changes, any, anything that jumps at you that you'd like to alter as far as the city is concerned? Aside from putting Diet Mountain Dew in every water fountain... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, that ain't happening uh, yet. Uh, no, man. I'm. I when I was listening to James Crumlin on here on his podcast on his yeah. podcast yeah. on on running the six one five. Shout out James Crumlin and the Capital Steps workout. Like being like in the active community, like bikers, runners, things like that. I think that we need to have a little bit more driver friendly. You know, like I don't as mayor, like I don't really know how you would go about making sure that that went on. But I do remember when I started to to take trips out west, and you'd be out there, man. Everybody's on a bike. Everybody's right. running, and like people who are driving up and down the road are super like aware of that you know they're going slow and they're going easy in here like you have to be super careful with that kind of stuff we could do better in that department yeah and just making sure that you know being from here i'm pretty passionate about you know i love a lot of the changes that i've seen in east nashville especially like there have been a lot of changes in east East nashville i don't agree with a hundred percent of the way things have gone down but i do like that we live right next to shelby park and it's super safe now for our kids to run around and play in the park right. and stuff like that. So I think really just the the outdoor community, man, that's my that's my biggest thing, bringing awareness to it. Right. You know. I know you're a music guy. We both talk about music probably as much as we talk about running. You talked a little bit about your neighbor getting you started in guitar, which of now you've done a lot of that. I feel like you're a veteran guitar player now. Just talk a little bit about how you said Nikki got you lessons. And then I know you, you Sam gave you gave you some good pointers, but now I, I know, again, we're, we're great friends. I know you really kind of spent a lot of time learning how to become a guitar player, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. No, I grew up in a super musical family. I mean, you hear this story all the time, but it's the truth. I mean, I grew up, my mom teaches piano and is a musician and has been since she was three years old. So she teaches private lessons at the house in the afternoons. And then she teaches during the day at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State. My grandfather played banjo, guitar, piano. My grandmother played organ in the church. So, you know, it's in the blood. And and I literally grew up with a piano playing in my house at all times because my mom, you know, was teaching piano. And so for my birthday, gosh, I guess that was 
like almost four years ago, she had gotten me lessons with Sam. Sam teaches with Metro Parks, like they have a music program, and he taught all the way through college. He's played guitar his whole life, and he's multi-instrumental. So yeah, so Sam started teaching me. I would go over there every Sunday morning. I started knowing nothing, you know, and he's like, here's a G chord. Here's an E minor. Here's a C. Here's a D just knowing those you can play like 300 songs right Right. now. So it started there and then, yeah, just kind of took it from there. And then I've, I've played with Sam and some other folks and little jam sessions. And we've played a couple small little gigs and things like that. You're basically Uh, a traveling (laughs) musician already. (laughs) Yeah. I've made zero dollars. That's all right, man. It's for the love. It's for the love of the track. It's a blast. I, I love it, man. I love being able to play music. So we've seen some concerts together. What yep. What's the best concert you've ever seen in Nashville? John Prine at the Ryman. Nice. Yeah. That's your boy who we also 100%. saw eating meatloaf at Arnold's. <laughs> we did see him eating meatloaf. And we did a really good job that, of keeping it cool. We dude, wanted to go yeah. hang out with him, but we're like, hey. I was like, golly, that guy's my hero. I want to go talk to him. He has a mouthful of meatloaf <laughs> right now. <laughs> and he's got his body angled towards the wall. I don't think he wants to talk there to anybody. There wasn't a huge window. So, man. Um, I mean, I feel like we both do a pretty good job of making sure we go see People that we want to see, we've seen Jason Isbell a lot. We saw a My Morning Jacket show that was Phenomenal great, show. man. Was awesome. Up up close and personal at Ascend. Man, that that's one of my favorites of all time, actually. If you could see any band tonight in the world at the Ryman, you and Nikki, front row seats, who are you going to see tonight at the Ryman? Bruce Springsteen. The boss. Yeah, the oh, boss, baby. Man, that yeah. Netflix thing that he did, man. Like I sat home and watched that, and I was just like, dude, if I can see this guy – you know, especially if he came and did the rhyme and that would just be, he's the man that would be insane. Yeah. I've, I've seen Bruce a couple of times and the first time I saw him, I was actually super, super close, but man, two hours into the show, that guy's getting warmed up, man. Oh, like he, yeah. he goes a good three and a half hours long. Absolutely worth it. Yeah, I'd, say, uh, I'd just, say Bruce won Outcast 2. Outcast 2. Dude, Outcast. Also seen Outcast. I know I've heard ah, this story a million times <laughs> where they opened up at the music festival I was at in Louisville and they opened up with Bombs Over Baghdad. And I dude, ran. I would have been naked for the remainder of the show. <laughs> it would have been over. I ran at that stage like I was 12 years old and Backstreet oh, Boys God. was on the stage. Man, Oof. greatest. Maybe Bruce will tour with Outcast. Is that not, is that not a possibility? that happens, I'm going to throw my underwear on the stage <laughs> well that happens, i'm not gonna have them on they're gonna be around bruce's elbow <laughs> <laughs> well if that happens nikki uh, is out and i'm in yeah. front row a ryman boss and out you're gonna have to fight her and her sister over those well ain't lily's a fan too let's move into some speed sessions if you will scotty we got to get a let me go get a, a stop clock for us here there we go. You got that watch ready? Got it ready, buddy. Do you know what the fastest mile you've ever run in your life is? I like to ask this question. Do you know that? It's 542. Yes. That's moving and grooving. Was that this year? Was that in the calendar year 2019? Uh, no, I think that was 2018 maybe on the track at FRA. There you go. Yep. Did not feel good. <laughs> That's fast, man. <laughs> All right, you got. It. We already started. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get into this. You ready? I know you know how this works. Speed sessions. I'm gonna hit you with a lot of questions. You just come out with the answer you feel like suits you best. How's that sound? Sounds good, brother. You ready? Yes, sir. Here we go. I think in, the first one's gonna be great. Roads or trails? Trails. Early bird or night owl? <sighs> kind of neither, but early bird, I guess. All right. Country, hip hop, or rock and roll? Mm, hip hop. Or another one? Folk rock. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Favorite Nashville restaurant? Oh, man. 
Brown's Diner. Ooh, yes. Coffee, tea, soda, water, or alcohol. Soda and the occasional beer. There you go. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Rico. Yep. Are you a talker or a listener? <laughs> I'm a nervous <laughs> talker. <laughs> if you aren't a talker, uh, nobody is. Yeah. Beach or mountains? Mountains, for sure. What annoys you? People who talk about doing things, like what, if they talk about something, but they're not really doing it. There you go. Yeah. They don't talk it, the they bomb. don't do it. Yeah. Right. What is your favorite condiment? Ranch. Ranch. Oh, Ooh. my God. Mm. You'd, take a, you'd take a swim in ranch if you Lail. could. Cookie or candy? Cookie. Favorite sports team? Titans. That a boy. I'm in your house. I'm afraid to say anything. Uh, I love it. What is your dream vacation spot? Right now, Yellowstone. We're looking at Yellowstone in the States. But man, I would like to go over to to France, like Chamonix, France, all that French, Swiss kind of area. Who is your celebrity crush? Macklemore? Ryan Reynolds? (laughs) (laughs) No disagreement here. Favorite TV Tom Brady. show. Tom Brady. Uh, favorite TV show or movie of all time? Step Brothers, South Park. Ah, yes. Best way to recover after a long run or race? Build in a few extra days at whatever destination spot you're in and hang out there uh, with your hang- feet up, good food, drinks, all that stuff. And ice baths. I like ice baths. There you go. Uh, what are you afraid of? Man, anything bad happening to anybody in my family, particularly my kids. There you go. <laughs> belt or no belt? What is a belt? There you go, man. <laughs> no belt. I, no I belt. knew you were no belt. I no think belt. I thought of you when I wrote that question out. Watch or no watch? Only uh, watch when you're running, maybe? Yeah. I'd, I'd say no watch. All right. We covered this a little bit, but if you got another answer, best part of living in Nashville? The music and the music that comes through that we get to see. For sure. Airplane or road trip? Probably road trip. All right. Something you want to do before you die. Oh, man. I want to just watch my kids succeed, man. See where they can go. Yeah, we already got Jack pegged to be yeah. starting quarterback for the Titans. So that's, <laughs> right. that's coming. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? This one doesn't even apply to you. Let me, re- let me read you that. Lunch or dinner? Can I just have lunch for every meal? <laughs> yeah, lunch. I don't think breakfast I'm a lunch, ever, I'm a lunch man. Ever been in the cards. What makes you happy? Being with family and friends. What has running taught you? anything's possible yep is there any misconception about you that i'm like a super type a kind of person i'm kind of introverted i think most people would not think that's the truth but it kind of is i certainly don't (laughs) but that's our that's okay though favorite holiday christmas Christmas. who is the best actor to play you in a movie about your life oh man the best actor to play me Golly. Can I just pick like a really super sure. cool actor? Yeah. I mean, we'll just say Edward Norton. Ed Norton? <laughs> I'll just have to color his hair. Correct answer actually was Michael Scarn. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or Toby. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. What do you think people get wrong in life? Like people in general, like what do they, what do they just, what do people think they've got a grasp on, but you just like, ah, people don't get it. They fall into the traps of, they conform to what everybody thinks that you're supposed to do, you know, following the path, you know, that everybody else follows. You don't have to do that. You can go your own way. And who inspires you? My kids. And that's, I mean, that's cliche, but it's true. Yeah. Yep. All of them. Uh, do you have a favorite book or a favorite quote? Oh, man. Favorite book, man, would probably be one of the, I read The Alchemist not long ago. I like that a lot. That was a pretty good, and Todd Snyder's book. Yep. I never met a story I don't like. Oh, I, yeah. I never met a story I didn't like, I think is the name of it. Yeah. Uh, those are two good Um ones. What is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Oh, man. Pump the brakes. 
breathe a little bit. Take your time. Yeah. Yeah. Patience uh, is your friend. Is there anything that's just been a big challenge or a mistake in your life? I mean... It's a little deep. Yeah. The biggest challenge would be knowing not to put limits on yourself, you know, and it took me a long time to to really start to get back to the roots of the things that I enjoy and follow the path that I want to follow. But we're there now. So for sure, we're good. Better to be physically tough or mentally tough. Uh, mentally by far right what is your favorite race distance if you had to choose just one 50 miles 50 miles yeah is your favorite yeah there's a small list of people on the globe that would answer that <laughs> uh, 100 <laughs> I mean, 100 is a beat down and uh 50k 50 is that that 50 is that 50, sweet spot 50 miler will tap me out but i can still like the go old sleep in a 50 mile night. sweet spot everybody <laughs> if you haven't experienced it you need to get there running in the hot or running in the cold 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 and cold hugs high fives or fist bumps I'm a high five guy. I like the old school stuff. Love it. What is a personal fitness goal for you in 2020? Another hundred miler. It's time to take it back to the well. Number three on the docket. What is the purpose of life, Scott Bell? You know, I've I've heard it described before as, you know, if your life is like a wet rag, you want to just squeeze every drop of water that you can out of that rag, man. And I think that, you know, throughout your life, you can do these things to test yourself and just wrench that rag out a little bit more all the time. Always be switching it up. And always push yourself. No doubt. What time we got? We got speed session. Seven minutes. Seven flat. Seven flat. Man, dude, I appreciate you being here, Scott. You're just a huge part of my life, bud. I mean, I talk to you pretty much every day that ends in Y. We've run a ton of miles together. I'll probably say this when we go back and record your intro, but you are the best person to run with ever because you have an endless amount of stories. Like if I'm ever just in a place where I need a little bit of commentary, I can go any topic. I'll just, you know, tell me about Scott, you getting in trouble in school and high school. <laughs> get get comfortable. I got yeah. plenty of material there, but you're a great friend, man. And I'm I'm super thankful for first of all your friendship, but definitely being here on this podcast. And and certainly being a guy to bounce ideas off of and help me get it started. And just uh, glad to have you a part of my life. And thanks for always being a ray of sunshine, man. You're always positive and, and just a joy to know, if you will. So I appreciate it, buddy. Man, I, I appreciate you, Drew. And honestly, man, you're a, you're a huge part of the reason that I started running, the reason that I kept running. Anytime I have a race coming up, you know, it's always good. The, the day before I leave, we always link up and, and grab lunch and just kind of chat about where things have, have kind of come just in life. And in general, you're always there for me. And, and man, you know, you took this thing and, and ran with it, dude. Like you, you've said, I want to do a podcast and, and you're one of those people who, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being here, bro. Brother, we'll yeah. do it again. Thanks for having me, Drew.